The one thing that I believe would work everywhere is fighting. Because it doesn't matter what color you are, what country you come from, or what language you speak. We're all human beings and fighting's in our DNA, man. We get it and we like it. Hi, Michael Morgan, and welcome to this week's episode of The Wokecast. Joining me in the old school fashion, down the pipe, down the phone, is my Cody, because uh, Roland's finest uh, MP3 recorder is chubby busted right now, is my homie from New York, G from Woe TV. Yes, G from Woe TV with the technical difficulties. Hey, Mike, what's going on? I'm real good. Um, I'm, I'm not as uh, hoarse or not as husky or not as uh, Barry White-like this week, but I, I'm slowly getting over it. I'm slowly getting around it. But we've got a pretty packed show today. Our special guest is John Kavanagh, the legendary figure in Irish MMA and actually, you know, global MMA. Really got, got to give the guy his due. Um, but also, we're going to be recapping the weekend's action, not only what we've just seen, but what's coming up as well. But, you know, first off, let's just go headlong into what was, I have to say, an incredible night of fights. UC 243. To be fair, I don't know about you, G, but to be fair, my only real talking point here, don't get me wrong, there was some, uh, well, there was a spectacular knockout, but for me, my real talking point I wanted to kick off with was a big respect to you because we all know how the main event between Israel Adesanya and uh, Robert Whittaker panned out. But I just love the way that you embrace those press ups, which because, you know, <laughs> that was your forfeit. You embrace it like a champ. You ate crow like, like I don't know, man. You ate crow like somebody who was an expert. Listen, I know how to lose. I can I can handle losing here and there every so often. So you got your little measly push up, no sweat, you know, no issues, not at all. I, I, and you know what? I I did them happily. I wanted Izzy to win. I just thought Rob Whitaker was going to pull it off. So my heart was full as I did the push up. So don't worry. To be fair, to be fair, you handled like I say those push ups like a champ. But what I was uh. What, what what I was kind of amazed at was the sly way in which you paused between each time when the old arm started to tremble. I love that. You thought I didn't see that, didn't you? That <laughs> trembled. It trembled. I was, I was showing up. I was counting because people say that I, you know, I short myself once. So I made sure when I got to 20, I said 20 and did five more so that Certain people would shut the hell up and stop saying I beat on my push-ups. But it was, it was no sweat. I don't think I was shaking. I just think I hate it, but it's all good. It's a champ, baby. But going back to the weekend's action, I mean, UFC 243, as I say, my main talking point was Israel Adesanya and Robert Whittaker. I mean, before we get on to the main event, were there any standout moments for you that you just wanted to run down? Yeah, um, I think the co-main event is something that needs to be discussed. You know, and I, am, I think both of them want to work, even though it was a decision win for Dan Hooker. But I think we just need to discuss that, you know, Alain Quintus got some issues with long-limb fighters that keep him at a distance. And Dan Hooker was able to do that with those low-leg calf kicks that were beautiful. And some really good defensive wrestling. And um, Al just couldn't get in on the inside. And uh, Dan Hooker got him all night. And uh, one decision win, and it was it was nice to see Dan be so strategic. But sad to see my man Al go down like that. He's just he's got some work to do with the fighting on the inside, you know, with um long limb fighters. Cowboy did the same to him, but with those front kicks. So it's a little bit of a pattern here. But you know, I wish Al the best, and I can't wait to see him fight again. And Dan's looking to fight Justin Poirier, so we'll see what happens, Mike. I got to admit, I was uh, ever so slightly. Uh, well, I felt for him because having travelled all that way, you know, and to, you know, basically come up short. But as well as that, having come off what for me, I would say is a career best in fighting and uh, clashing Khabib Magomedov. And, uh, you know, being one of the few to actually take him, um, you know, the entire distance. Um, I, I really felt for him. But you know who I, I didn't feel for? Robert Whittaker. Robert Whittaker. Now, for me... Don't get me wrong, 
Um, even though I'd actually predicted um, Israel Adesanya to come away with the victory, I was uh, I was surprised how you know Robert Whittaker's midriff, how his torso actually held up because I thought first of all that was going to be the target that was going to be with pinpoint accuracy where the kicks, where the punches were landing. But it was strictly headshots from Israel Adesanya. You know, the the left high kick just kept finding its place. Plus. Um, you know, the left uh, hook, uh, lots of straights. Basically, the jab, he, you know, he's popping off all manner of shots. But his beautiful movement, I think, not only is Israel Adesanya's movement mesmerising, um, the fakes and the feints, they are yeah. utterly convincing. Yeah, I think um, I think his fight IQ is something that needs to be discussed as well. Because in the first round... Um, he was pulling him out, trying to figure out the distance, using the feints. And then suddenly at the end of the round, he drops him with a beautiful right hook. And then the second round, you know, he starts fighting in the pocket some more because Robert Whitaker keeps charging forward at him aggressively looking for those power shots. But it causes them to fight in the pocket. And Israel's response to fighting in the pocket was beautiful. He was catching him with some some beautiful hooks and Robert could not stand any longer and he got dropped with a left hook second round first round was a right hook because in the pocket israel adesanya was lighting him up and it was beautiful to see and he had to adjust to that he had to figure out you know what this guy's charging forward and when he does we'll fight in the pocket and that's what i'm gonna get him and that's what we saw and that's fight iq and adjusting during the fight i think that is gorgeous it's just wonderful you know, what was gorgeous and what was wonderful was Israel's walkout. I don't care what anybody says. That, for me, that was the best walkout that I'd have ever seen. Now, OK, I, I, I get it. On Twitter, I have to say, I had a deluge of people actually telling me, look, have you seen anything other than the UFC? Yes, I have. Have you seen anything other than, you know, um, these, these fighters who are mainstream? Yes, I have. The fact of the matter is that coordination, plus the pop culture reference, plus the fact that, you know, these were childhood friends, plus the fact that this was a title contention or a, a title uh, bout, man, perfectly executed to the T. I didn't, I didn't get what everybody was upset about. I'm the queen of, of hating WWE type of bullshit. And I was sitting here like home like, yo, this is dope. Why was it dope? Because he put so much time into it. He had the childhood friends. It showed his athleticism. It was choreographed. It was super dope. It was entertaining. It had meaning behind it. And then he did it well. This wasn't Henry Cejudo who probably went to the dollar store and got a cloak and a, and a fake snake and like came across at the weigh-ins looking like a, a cost like he was in some Halloween costume. Like Israel Adesanya put some thought into this and it came off as authentic. It matched his personality and it was exciting to have something like that before a match. Like I don't want to hear none of that nonsense, especially me who hates that type of stuff. And I can recognize that it just simply was done well. I just think he has a lot of haters. That's it. People just don't like the kid because he's brash, he's confident, and, and they don't like him for it, you know? And rightly so. I mean, given the speed at which he's um, actually got to these lofty heights, considering, you know, a lot of people were putting um, quite a bit of store by Conor McGregor's rise, um, Israel Adesanya actually did it quicker. But as well as that, I mean, going back to the whole walkout and going back, um, to, you know, uh, music in general. I love the confidence that he exudes, so much so that, you know, he was dancing to Robert Whittaker's walkout as well. Yeah, I thought it was, I thought his energy was awesome. He didn't come off as nervous. He didn't come off as overly aggressive. He really looked like, again, something that I love to see in fighters is that he looked like he was having fun. And whenever a fighter looks like they're having fun, you know what happens? They win. You remember Cody um, Garland breakdancing all over Dominic Cruz? Yeah. Look at Israel. Look at Israel Sanya. Before he bought for Anderson Silva, he was doing weird anime shit. I don't watch anime, so I don't know what the hell all that was. But then for this fight, he, he takes out his notepad and puts Robert's name in the death note. And then he comes up and he beats the brakes off of him. He's having fun. And the more a fighter has fun, the more we get to have fun because they exude that in the cage. So what is everybody complaining about? Shut the fuck up and have some fun with the kid. Win or lose, you are entertained. 
annoying sometimes to, to hear people complain about something that is authentically entertaining, you know? And, and that's just it, you know. I just think that some people are just born just to complain. But, you know, others are born to entertain. And that's Israel Adesanya. But, you know, moving forward to this weekend's um, Fight Night 161, I feel that, you know, that, that the element of entertainment might be a little bit lacking there. But before we do actually break down and actually look down, look down the card um, for Fight Night 161. I think this is an opportune moment to go into our exclusive interview with John Kavanagh. It's a pleasure to welcome to this week's episode. He's known to many as the godfather of Irish MMA, the legendary, the inimitable, the unconquerable John Kavanagh. That's quite an introduction. Well, you know what? I've heard so many introductions people bringing you on, whether it's on TV, whether it's on the internet, whether it's on podcasts. And, you know, I suppose that was just my sly attempt to try and, you know, um, in, the, in, the, in the efforts of one-upmanship to try and, like, go that extra mile. But, no, I meant those sentiments, to be honest with you. It's been a long while in coming. We've spoken over the years. And um, it's great to have you on the WOCast. Now, John, I'm just going to quickly just canter through... Um, quite a few questions which I have but also I'm actually going to refer to our listener questions but first off let's talk about the all-important Euro fight night you're actually reviving the brand after a hiatus first of all where did Euro fight night go um so yeah I did it six years ago uh almost to the month and it was quite successful it went well and then I guess life got in the way that was about the about the start of uh, Connor's run and, and everything just went a bit crazy for that period of time. Um, have more or less got things sort of under control again and an opportunity came up. I wouldn't have done it unless we had this um, prize at the end of it. I think it's a quite a, a unique opportunity for somebody rather than the typical, uh, you know, fighting for a purse and getting your hand raised. It's something pretty cool, I think, is uh, on offer to somebody. Um, so, yeah, it was a, a bit of a... Uh, a few teams came together at the right time. And then also meeting uh, Kay, Kay dude that um, helped out a lot with the logistics and, and has a great understanding of the UK scene and um, was able to do a lot of the work over there that I wouldn't have been able to do. But that's just one of the things which um, uh, I call it as I see it. That slightly concerned me. The fact is your foray um, after such a hiatus is in the UK. Now, having been to Ireland and having seen what a glorious and a lovely and quite a warm and welcoming place it is, I was a little bit surprised that, you know, on your first trip back into the EFN territory, on your first trip back, actually, um, well, unleashing the brand again, it was in the UK and not, you know, your beloved Ireland. What what actually prompted that move? Um, venues. That's the issue over here. So you're kind of in, in, in Ireland, we kind of have two choices. There's a few venues that are around about the 500-seater capacity. And then you have the fantastic Tree Arena, which is 10,000 capacity. Um, one was a little bit too small. One was a little bit too big. The, um, the Victoria House in Manchester is 1,500-seater, which is perfect. So uh, that's, that's why I went with there. Now, in terms of the actual um, logistics of the event, you've got quite a unique proposition in that, you know, I'm going to let you tell it, but at the end of what effectively is a one-night tournament, there is a special, how can I put it, there's a hook, there's a means by which people well, want to get the best out of themselves. Do you want to just quickly unpack how this actually will be working on the night? Yeah, so the main attraction of the night is an eight-man um, tournament, and the winner gets a Bellator contract, a, a six-figure Bellator contract. Um, I've always, over the years, as a coach, as somebody with a large fight team, your goal is always to try and get them on the big show, uh, whether that be UFC, Bellator. You know, there's one or two others that, when the, when your fighter is on that, they're what I would call a professional athlete. And I define that by they're making enough money to, um, to live on fighting alone. So there's, there is a couple of obviously uh, big-ish UK 
and European shows, but you're generally fighting for a sum of money that you need to also have a job. Um, you're on UFC or Bellator, you can survive. You can, you know, if you're doing if you're doing well, you do very well. But even even on the inverted commas basic contract, you can you can train full time. Um, so when this came about, I thought that was uh, very cool. I actually picked a weight class that I had nobody in. I wanted it to be for someone outside of my gym. And um, Kedu put together a great uh, lineup, uh, a lot of exciting prospects in the UK. And we're going to see who the best is. And the best will has a guaranteed jump to the next level. It's not, well, maybe if you get a title in this organization, maybe you go on to the big show. It's not that. This is um, a very simple black and white um, idea. Moving forward... Um, it's a nice taster. It's a nice bit of an, of an enticement to have this as, um, well, almost a, a wonderful prize at the end of the evening. Is this something that you're looking to roll out in 2020 or is this like a, a one and done? We won't see you again until uh, the next few years. Um, it's, it's a little bit of a toes in the water. We've actually, uh, myself and Kay, we've had a couple of... Um, somewhat crazy offers like we were getting a lot of uh, attention from around the world in this i've had guys on to me from the middle east from south america um we've been talking with the royal marines about doing a series for them next year so there's a lot of uh, interest in it but we have to do it we have to do one first and make sure that me and Kay can work together and make sure the idea works um will they always be tournaments will they always be for contracts i don't i, I can't say that uh, definitively yet but I would only be really kind of interested in keeping it going if I can offer something very cool for someone on the night. I want it to be something like this. Um, but yeah, it's kind of toes in the water. Let's see if, it, uh, if it's fun, if, it's, if, if people enjoy it, if it's successful. And then we might have a, a series for 2020 lined up. That kind of leads me on to what effectively is a two-part question. Now... Again, I started off by saying I was a little bit disappointed that you're starting off in the UK. And believe me, um, having been to Ireland, like I say, it was a, a massive surprise. But does that mean that you're looking to tour this as a concept? Or in your mind's eye, would the perfect venue, would the perfect um, next location for you be Ireland? Um, I, don't have a, I don't have a strong idea in my head of of where the next one will be um to be honest for pro shows it's quite easy to bring in if we're let's say the next i'm just pulling something out of the air if the next one was in liverpool it's almost as easy for me to get to liverpool as it is to get to the tree arena it's not really that much of a difference um because i'm still stuck with the same issue of venue capacity in dublin they're either too small or too big um so yeah it's 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 just that the uk has a number of that kind of goldilocks number uh between a thousand and fifteen hundred cedar venues so yeah just no 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 real decision made on that yet we have this lineup we have the fight card done it's fantastic we have a date we have a venue it's almost sold out so we've everything done for this one and then we will sit back at the end of it all and figure out the next move now again just sticking with next moves um, as I said, it was a two-part question. You touched on, you know, why it isn't going to be or why possibly Ireland at the moment would be a little bit pro- problematic in terms of um, venues. But that kind of was a setup for what basically I want to get into next. And that is the state of mixed martial arts in Ireland. For me and for my money, it seems as though there's been a renaissance. There's been a, a sort of reviving of... Um, interest in terms of what Bellator are actually doing for the sport and it just strikes me that you know Ireland as a destination for mixed martial arts just seems to be a little bit well it's more than a little bit it's widely open I mean would you agree with me or would you disagree that you know at the moment we are experiencing a little bit of a of a down period in terms of what's going on for mixed martial arts in Ireland uh, we're ex- experiencing a down period. 
Yeah. Um, in terms of venues, in terms of um, mixed martial arts promotion visiting Ireland, it does seem to be it does seem to be all Bellator at the moment. They seem to be putting on the spectacular, bombastic shows. They seem to be attracting people to venues. They seem to be putting on uh, or giving um, Irish fighters a lot of work. Yes. Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, if you'd have told me a couple of years ago, we'd have uh, what's pretty much agreed to be the second biggest organization in the world visiting every six months, I would have said, no way, that's impossible. And yet we have it now. 10,000 people coming every six months to cheer on 20-odd pro fights. So, you know, you're looking at 40 pro fights a year. It's, uh, it's this golden period for professional MMA um, you know, they're all, obviously they're all pro fights, and then a couple of amateur shows dotted around. So, I think it's um, things are we're, we're in a fantastic period right now for for MMA in Ireland. Now, I think it would be remiss of me not to actually mention um, one of your, I would say, all time standout um, proteges, students, um, people that you've worked with, and that is Conor McGregor. In terms of where you are now, sitting, basically waiting for him to actually return to the cage, you put something out there quite recently. I'll just cut straight to the chase. It was something to do with uh, Russia. I mean, do you want to elaborate on that? Is there anything that you know that you want to unpack? I don't know what people got so excited about. I, I tell you what, because it comes off the back of, obviously, uh, recent chatter about, you know, first of all, where Connor is going next. Obviously, they look at you as the linchpin, as a, a very integral part of that. But also, um, well, the, the fact is, you know, in, in terms of recent um, conversations, that's something which, you know, again, maybe people are reaching, maybe people are actually um, interpreting. No, I'm, I'm trolling you, Em. So, yes, of you course. Got me there. I saw a dude father that um, he, would love to, he would accept the rematch of Moscow. So I made the uh, I made the connection there to um, to draw a few people in. <laughs> but, but in all seriousness, wouldn't that be great? I remember when uh, when the Aldo fight was being talked about. Connor actually was pressing the UFC to have that fight in in Rio. That's where he wanted to do it. Uh, he just loved. I'm not, you'd have to ask him why he'd want to go to the the other person's uh, kind of hometown. Now, obviously, uh, Habib is from Dagestan, not from Russia. Um, but wouldn't it still be quite a spectacle to do it in Moscow if we had some big, massive venue like they did recently in Melbourne and to have it uh, packed out? There's just a great kind of a Rocky Four vibe to it. So, um, yeah, uh, we, we would love that. Again, just sticking with Connor ever so slightly, obviously around the time where, um, you know, things were slightly heating up and it looked as though Connor would be coming back, could be coming back. Um, there was obviously, you know, a little bit of, uh, how can I put it? He was miding controversy. Let's just put it that way. When you, as a person, obviously closer to him, obviously knowing what was actually happening, obviously uh, a different perspective from other people, what was your initial reaction when you saw, first of all, what he was going through, how he reacted with it, you know, in terms of the statements which actually came afterwards? But, you know, can you shed a little bit of light as to, you know, what he's actually going through as a mixed martial artist? Um, he's, uh, he's training hard. He's back in the gym. He's back training, back working out. And I know his management team are working with the UFC now on trying to set up a, a date and an opponent. Unfortunately for you, I have no news on that. I have no exclusive for you. Nah. We're all just going to have to sit back and wait. But I can tell you the mindset is, is great. He's uh, very motivated, very excited about it. I'm, we're having great kind of back and forwards and looking at technique and looking at looking at the you know the recent UFC kind of watching that and chatting about it. So yeah, the the motivation is there. I know the management are working hard with the UFC. There's always a lot of uh, eyes to be dotted and T's to be crossed when a when a McGregor contract is coming up. But uh, I think that's just a matter of time. That's just a matter of the will is there. So it's just it's just aligning the stars for a, a, a matchup. And I really, uh, we were close to December. I think that was, we're, we're, I thought that was what was going to be. And then that card filled up with three title fights, so it wasn't going to happen. Um, 
Now we're looking at first quarter of 2020. Can't get any more specific than that. I don't cause, because I don't know. I don't know myself. But as his coach, you'd have some preferences. Obviously, there are some names which have been thrown out there, the Poiriers of the world. Now, when you look at that, when you look at those possibilities, are there any which, you know, as obviously a confident, as somebody who is actually close to the action in terms of um, him and being his coach, are there any which, you know, you're actually leaning towards yourself, which will be a preference? Yeah, I, I I thought the Frankie Edgar one would have been very interesting. Um, so here, here's the deal: we we have to, well, not we. Connor has to sort of figure out why is he fighting. That's that's his biggest inverted commas problem. And I say first world problems because he achieved his goals. He won the world titles. He won the money. So you know, on this, if you want to call it second run, so to speak, it's got to be fights that are of of great interest to him. And the Frankie Edgar fight was of interest. It was it was motivating him, it was exciting him. You know, that was it was very interesting to us. And there's a bit of legacy, a bit of history there. He's kind of the very one of the very few 145ers. He didn't fight on that run to um to Aldo, but Edgar has also had great success at 155. So yeah, I just thought that made a huge amount of sense for a, a large number of reasons. Um, I still think it's the one that makes sense, and Frankie has tweeted his interest in it. Um, Connor's already shown his interest in it, so let's set it up. And finally, before we move away from Conor McGregor in terms of questions and on to listener questions, I'm intrigued. For me, I've got this romanticised view of you, Connor, and Owen Roddy as being the dream team. Um, first off, you know, recently, Connor, you know, expressed a little bit of, um, what's the word, discomfiture or um, disdain that uh, you hadn't actually watched um, the performance back, uh, well, in the time frame that he thought um, might be better um, in terms of getting your view on it. What was your thoughts when you actually heard those words coming from his mouth? Yeah, I mean, we've obviously talked about that and I completely see the, his point. I was a little bit heartbroken. Um, I was burying my head in the sand a little bit, but of course I have since watched it. But I think that was just a couple of days after, and I was, it was, it was actually was one day after it. So I was, um, yeah, I was going through the grieving period. I was being, uh, I was being what I would call a little bitch of just trying to <laughs> ignore it. <laughs> but um, I should have been just painting up to and watching it the way he was, um, but. All, 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 all in the past, all, all positive moving forward. And speaking of moving forward, you mentioned that, you know, first quarter of 2020 is when, you know, you are looking to get things back on track. But will that be, as I mentioned, with the dream team, and that is Owen Roddy, John Kavanagh and Conor McGregor? I can't imagine it being any other way. Incredible. OK, well, we're going to neatly segue over to listener questions. You know, first off, um, this particular listener was intrigued by the matchup of um, Cal Eleanor and um, James Gallagher. Now, that, uh, well, in that particular matchup, it was down to either a misunderstanding or something around irregularities to do with Cal Eleanor that's now been actually um, all sorted or mocked up. Can you see that happening in the very near future, i.e. his next matchup will be Cal Eleanor, and that is James Gallagher will be fighting Cal Eleanor, and when? Um, like, I, I don't know. I don't know for definite. I can tell you I would like that. I really liked the matchup when we spoke about this what, almost six months ago, I guess, if, because, you know, we were looking at it in the lead-up to the September card. Um, I thought it was a very exciting matchup. I thought I, I respect uh, Cal's skills uh, hugely, and I thought it would be a, a great contest. So um, now that that's now that his side of things, as far as I'm aware, is all cleared up, um, why not? Why not? It was due to happen, so let's do it. Okay, so let me segue into the next question, which is. Um, this is from somebody called Hectic One, Hectic underscore one. Um, does John Kavanagh think UFC or Bellator does a better job in building European prospects? 
Um, well, I mean, if we just go on the numbers, uh, as of late, Bellator has a much stronger presence in Europe, I believe, and just has a lot more European fighters signed. So, you know, of, of course, if you go to the extreme ends, um, I'm trying to think who who does UFC have right uh, at the minute. Obviously, Connor is quite a big name, but is there Nathaniel Wood? Is it? Um, yeah, he's doing very well. Um, you know, look, spade is spade. UFC is the bigger brand, it's the bigger show. You, you, there's just more attention around it. But right now, the footprint is owned by Bellator. I think, like, how many shows have they done in Europe in the last twelve months versus UFC? I think the answer is pretty clear on that. Which one is doing more? Okay, just a minute. Whilst I just load up the next question, I'm having trouble uh, with this. Um, question hectic. Stay hectic. <laughs> the next one comes from Hagfish one one eight. What are his thoughts when a fighter goes through long periods of inactivity for whatever reason, good, bad, or indifferent? Um. I mean, the acquisition of skill is about daily repetition. So the longer that we're not getting that in, the more your skill is diminishing. That's that's just factual. We can't. There's no escaping that. So yes, inactivity is not a positive. It's not something we're aiming for. A little every day is the way to uh, keep the losses away. There we go. That's a nice saying. I like that. A little day keeps the losses away. There's a couple more questions. Um, as I say, we've got so many. I, I, I feel very bad because, you know, obviously given your time constraints, we do have to um, whittle them down. But the next one comes from Adascola01. Would he consider not training Connor anymore? How does he see his legacy as a coach? And what martial arts is his favourite in all of them and why? Wow. Well, there's a, a lot to unpack there. Um I think, uh, first of all, no. I, I will. I will. As as long as Connor wishes me to be there, I'll be there for him. And I think we. That's just going to be forever. That's just our relationship. Um, we've been through so much together, and we have this. There's just a lot that goes into a relationship between a coach and an athlete, and and but I think the biggest thing is trust, and that takes time to build up. And we just have so much between us at this stage. I don't see that changing. Um, his legacy. Two-weight yeah. class world champion in Cage Warriors, two-weight class world champion in UFC, most highly paid fighter. Um, I think he's done very well. Um, I guess people are always on me to start judging people's actions outside the cage, and that's just not me because I'm working on myself. I've got my, I've got plenty of my own faults I need to be working on. I'm not sitting around judging other people. As an athlete, he's done incredible. Um, and my favorite martial art is, without a doubt, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. It's yeah. something you can do forever. Uh, I love striking arts. I love wrestling. But it's definitely not e as easy to keep competitive in, competitive in those as time goes on. Uh, of course, someone like John Wayne Parr ch throws that rule out the window. The guy's in his 40s and still whooping ass. But I just think for the majority of people, a little bit of rolling around, you can kind of do that forever. It's something very satisfying about it, something very good for the mind about it. Um, I think that's all the questions with it. Indeed. Uh, actually, um, I, I know I said that uh, I was going to try and squeeze in just uh, a couple more questions, but I've got one of my own and I'm, I'm quite intrigued by this. Uh, well, Here, but, by here's a funny thing. So right now, my loving fiance is beside me on this interview and she sat the text to me saying, I wish I could have texted in that you were the father of my child as some other girl just to try and catch you <laughs> online. So. That's how her mind works. <laughs> I'm dead. I'm dead. But no, the, the, the question I, I, I had, uh, and this was, a, like I say, a question which came uh, from myself and that is, our mutual friend, Jude Samuel, uh, as you know, is an accomplished black belt. Have you ever sparred with him? And who gets the better of each other when you're actually on the mat? 
<laughs> we have not had the pleasure of rolling with each other, but I have no doubt he would leave me tied up like a pretzel. <laughs> Guys, I'm not a motherfucker. Yeah. The most dangerous matchmaker in the world. 100%. Um, right. Moving forward with Cairo S. MA, M- sorry, Cairo, Kairos MMA. Um, were there any fighters that you looked at once you knew that? Well, were there any fighters that you looked at and knew that they were the one? Mm, I have not done that, but I have thought the other way and been proven wrong a few times. I've never really looked at someone as like, God damn, this, this person is going to be unreal mm. because i don't really believe in that i don't believe when someone has like you know one or two good sessions i don't jump to conclusions because really i want i need to see them on the mat for a year but i'll give you an example this actually i'm in my head i realize this is coming out wrong <laughs> but I'll, I'll say it anyway when pedro carvalho come over to me i was not blown away for his first few weeks even his first few months training wow he was certainly tough and he was certainly up for a scrap but the way he was training i just thought yeah he's gonna last a while and then go back to portugal and the guy kept showing up and showing up and showing up and showing up and then he got a late notice fight on um the bellator show where he fought the bama world champion and he was kind of brought in let's call a spade a spade to lose that to um is it daniel crawford i think that's the guy's name i think so yeah Um, he was 10-0 and 0 or 10-1 and 1 at the time, and Pedro's record was not, not really worth talking about. He beat that guy. Then another short-nose fight in Italy. He beats that guy. Then Derek Campos, a big name in Bellator, he beats that guy. And then he's going to, he suddenly finds himself in the tournament, and then he wins the first round of the tournament. So he's someone that definitely surprised me with how far he's gone. And, you know, it's obviously hindsight's twenty twenty. Now I look and I go, yeah, of course I should have seen that, but I guess I didn't. Okay, just one final question. I know you've been incredibly generous with your time. You did say to me um, I had uh, limited amounts with you and uh, you've gone way over that. But just one final um, question from the listeners and that is, it comes from Highlights MMA who asks, who is the best amateur young lad in your gym that you basically think will be great one day and that nobody, excuse me, nobody has actually heard of? Now, imagine asking the parent, so who's your favorite kid? <laughs> Who the hell can I answer that question? <laughs> now, look, we've got some great amateurs. Obviously, Lee Hammond is a standout. He's an IMF world champion. Um, you know, we've got a lot of guys that have medaled at the IMFs. But, but uh, I have equal love for them all. And they get equal attention off me. And when we're off this phone call, I'll tell you the real answer. How about that? <laughs> Sounds like a plan. <laughs> just before we do wrap up, um, just the all-important call to action, and that is where can people get tickets for EFN Fight Night? When does it take place? And just a quick canter through what people can expect to see on the night. Yeah, so your fight night, if you, you can follow it on the, the social, usual social medias. Uh, on my Instagram page, the link is in my bio to buy tickets online. If you know any of the guys on the car, they're selling tickets themselves. It, I'm trying to look at a ball and delaying on the phone. What freaking, when's it on again? It's on, it's on soon. Let me get uh, my calendar up here. So it's on Saturday week, October 19th in manchester i believe it's called victoria house i'm nearly sure um victoria it's going to be an old school a tournament eight man tournament i haven't seen one of them in a long time it was actually one my first ever experience of mma was i did an eight man tournament in ireland and i'm just uh, watching mma was watching heist gracie do eight man well i think you might have even done 16 man tournaments back in the day so i think there's something something kind of cool about them um, and then there's a really good undercard as well. And one of those fights, um, I was putting in the stories there about that, uh, the kid that came through cancer and he was back fighting and got some great amateurs on there. So all in all, I think it's going to be a, a fun night. Um, and I hope to see a lot of people at it and give me a shout if you want a selfie, say hello, whatever. And I'll, I'll see everybody there in the night. Outstanding. John Kavanagh, you have been 
incredibly gracious and thank you so much for going way over the time that you had actually allotted to this. But, you know, thank you for your candidness as well. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the WOCast. Thank you, sir. And uh, thanks to everybody for listening. So for me, uh, what struck me about the whole conversation with John, and that is whilst we've spoken in the past, you know, and whilst, yes, I've known him for a number of years, we've never spoken on the level of the candidness that he delivered in that interview. I think he was honest. He was open. I think, you know, he was humble. And I think also, you know, he put things in context, especially when he was talking about, you know, Conor McGregor's return. I really enjoyed the conversation only because, you know, I really did feel as though it was a conversation and not an interview with John Kavanaugh. Oh, I totally agree with you. I like that he was candid about Connor. I like that he talked about what a lot of us, you know, squalor about online or, or make assumptions about, like Connor's drive again. We all question that. So to hear him discuss Connor's drive so candidly with you, like, what is Connor fighting for? If he comes back, what is it for? Thank you, John, for speaking on that. Because we're all wondering the same thing. He's, he's, He's rich out of his mind. He's having a good time outside of fighting. If he comes back, what for? And what will be the motivating force? And it's so good to hear Connor back training with, you know, his old partners and whatnot. So it was quite a blessing that he felt comfortable and candid talking to you. And even with a joke about his uh, girlfriend and the baby, I, I cracked up laughing. Like, he really felt comfortable with you, Mike, and I like that. I, I think, you know, what, what really did give me that whoa moment is when you know I asked him about you know the point that um Connor raised about the fact that you know he was disappointed that John hadn't actually seen or played back the fight with Khabib Nurmagomedov and and like I say I I I was shocked by John's candidness he basically said look I was being a bitch yeah he was and again I respect I always respect someone's honesty he took accountability he was like listen I was in my feelings I didn't have time to look back at that fight you know, and, and keep it real. Why lie? Why? You know, he's been friends with him so long. Just be dead ass honest. I was in my feelings. But it bothered me, so I didn't watch it. And guess what? I bet you kind of respected that. It sucked, but yeah, I, okay, cool. You was in your feelings. Let's move on, you know? Yeah, exactly. But, you know, one of the things which was kind of intriguing, though, was the whole approach to um, Euro Fight Night. It was kind of surprising that they didn't appear to be like a, a blueprint going forward. And I just like the fact that, you know, what he was basically saying was, look, none of us know. We just want to see how this first one goes. And then, you know, we'll take things from there. I mean, sometimes wonderful things come out of not planning things, Mike. You know what I mean? Like, let them observe and see how this goes and from there build. And there's nothing wrong with that. And in the long run, somebody's getting a dope-ass Bellator contract in the end. And to me, it sounds like, to John, that's what matters most. You know what I mean? Like, his fighter is going to benefit from this. And while they're doing that, let him build and learn from this experience and then they can improve upon it. And I don't see anything wrong with that. You know? Definitely hear that. But moving on then to fight night, 161 this coming weekend, headed by Joanna Jędrzejczyk um, versus Michelle Waterson. And now, for me, I, I've got to admit, even though that is, you know, a nice main event, for me, the return of Cub Swanson after, like, a massive um, break against Cron Gracie is, uh, you know, that that's floating my boat. I mean, essentially, you've got this jiu-jitsu master facing, you know, arguably one of the finest strikers in the UFC. Oh, most definitely. But I will say that this, the finest striker, Cub Swanson, is kind of showing signs of coming, I don't know, winding down a little bit. So he needs to desperately um, win this one. And I think Kron wants to make a name for himself. And, and also, Kron is a pretty dangerous guy. And we also how. Ortega kind of choked Cub out. He is susceptible to, you know, submission. So it should be pretty interesting. So does, does Cub beat the brakes for Kron, or does Kron somehow make it take this fight to the ground and submit him? And I'm all I'm all here for it, you know? I think um, I'm going to be risky on this one. I'm going to go with Kron. You see, I'm going with 
you know, the old faithful Cub Swanson. I, I do also see another narrative here. I mean, if, if you think about it, it's old school versus new school. You've got Cron Gracie basically at 5-0 and um, against, I would say, a stalwart, someone who's actually been around the block, someone who I would really describe as kind of like one of the, uh, one of the standouts or previous standouts of the promotion who I, I feel will be taking us back and reminding us why he was, you know, basically someone to be feared when you stepped in the octagon with him. Keep in mind, four, four losses in a row for Cup. Shane Borgas, Renato Canero, Frankie Edgar, Brian Otega. This is why I'm leaning towards Kron a little bit here. I think Cub is um, winding down towards the end of his career. Not the end of his career, but he's just not as good as he used to be. I'm a little worried about that. Four losses in a row, and the last one to Shane Burgos, and a split decision. Okay, that was a pretty rough fight for him, and he still lost. So I'm a little nervous, but I think he can get it done, but I'm going to put my money on Kron. I think Kron is going to use his momentum, and if he takes it to the ground, he's going to submit him. He's a Gracie. Now, in the main event, Joanna Yenjacek versus Michelle Waterson. I'm going with Europe's finest, Joanna Yenjacek, uh, only because I want to see her get back to her former glory. I want to see her, basically, um, I think it's been a long time in, in, in coming. Um, it, it's time for her to get her belt back. <laughs> um, I... I... I love watching JJ fight, but I love also watching the Rose beat the living crap out of her. So if she wants to try to get her belt back, that'd be great. But I'd love for her to hit another wall with um, Doug Rose. But as far as this matchup, I think that she's going to win this because I just think um, it really isn't much to say. She's just the better fighter. She's better. Her takedown defense is, is impeccable. Her striking is on a whole nother level. And her footwork is just amazing. And it's amazing for any style that you can you can you can put her against. You want to put her up against a wrestler, she'll outwork you with her footwork there. You want to put her up against another striker, she gets it on the inside or she keeps you on the outside. It doesn't really matter, you know? And I don't think Michelle has too much to offer her. It'll be a fun fight. But I think JJ gets it done and quite easily. And I think Michelle's gonna try to take her down, but Joanna's uh, take down the feet defense is is unbelievable i mean you've seen you've seen her against um andrage claudia Gadella. these are the, these are takedown artists and she did fairly well fighting them in their own game so i i, I, I put my money on jj but do i want to see her as champ again it would be interesting but mm, i'm okay with willie Zhang holding it down for a little bit for now you know <laughs> well the only other, I would say, notable piece of action that we'll be uh, seeing this weekend is Bellator in Milan. Now, my old friend uh, Kane Musa will be fighting on that card. He's got a change of opponent in the last, uh, well, last minute change of opponent. I, I personally um, see that this is another opportunity for him to showcase um, striking skills, great takedown defense, but, you know, basically inching him forward. Um, to a point where, you know, I feel that, you know, he'll be fighting more further afield. But I'm looking forward to seeing Kane Musa back in action. But as well as that, on the bill, uh, again from the UK, is Yannick Batty, or Yannick Bahati, sorry, who's facing Melvin Manhoof. I'm not sure if um, you've got any runners and riders on it, but those are the two that I certainly will be paying close attention to. Um, I still am a fan of Alessio Sakara, and he's fighting Kanan Grigsby. I'm not too familiar with him, but I am familiar with Alessio. He's hit or miss, but I am going to keep an eye on that fight. And of course, you know, the fight that you just mentioned, Melvin Manhoff versus uh, Yannick Bahati, uh, definitely going to keep an eye on that. I love Melvin, but like I feel like he's either hit or miss as well. So we'll see which way it goes. But um, I just saw some footage of him on the pads and he looked pretty uh, slick. And I look forward to his fights. And plus, I'm a huge fan. So um, that's it so far with Bellator. Did you catch um, Bellator 229 at all? Did you see uh, Larkin and this Russian dude go at it, Korshev? 
I did. I had to say I was a little bit disappointed with how that actually turned out. I really did feel, or in 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 um, or okay, in terms of expectation, I thought that it was going to be an emphatic and one-sided beatdown by Larkin. And you could just see in his face that he was expecting it too, because, you know, whilst he was waiting for the decision to be read out, it was almost as though, you know, he was there beating himself up about, you should have did this, you should have done that. And that was really, I feel, the story of the fight. Yeah, I mean, I was just taken back by the car stuff. That, um, that's, what was it, like a spinning wheel kick? That dropped Larkin. Oh man, it made me scream in the office. Like I was like, "Holy shit! How did he survive that?" And even though Larkin walked away with the split decision, I'm ready to see that Russian guy fight again. Like, oh, he is scary, you know. But I did like the the comeback by Larkin in round two. It was a split decision, but I feel like you know Larkin worked for it. But I, I was quite surprised at the difficulty he had with it, you know. But it, it was a pretty decent fight, you know. I enjoyed some of the highlights of it, especially that wheel kick and, and the follow-up ground and pound by um, Andre. It was pretty dope. And then the, the Joe Schilling and to- Tony Johnson fight. Joe looked pretty good. And then uh, he just made one um, big mistake. He kept his chin up in the air most of the round, and Tony was able to find it. Um, and he dropped him pretty uh, pretty badly, Mike. I felt bad. I left Joe. But it was it was a really fun fight. I don't know if you caught it or not, but um, it was a really really fun fight. Just sad to see uh, Joe Schilling go down. Yeah, I mean, just like yourself, I I, I do like Joe's work, and uh, you know, de- definitely a fan. And um, uh, he'll bounce back though. Of course, always. He's uh, got plenty of experience, and then you know, we all make mistakes here and there, and whatever we do, whether it's fighting or in our personal lives, so. I just think he made the mistake of uh, coming forward with his chin up and uh, his opponent was able to find it. So he'll bounce back from that, you know, and he always does. Well, as we uh, handle the majority of listener mail in the interview with John Kavanagh, we'll save anything that we've got by way of listener mail until next week. Speaking of until next week, make some trouble. Oh, boy, don't you worry. Oh, <laughs> 